Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In this week's briefing, we're going to be covering events and developments going all the way back to February 15th up until today. Let's get started with national security. So the Norwegian Intelligence Service, they do an annual report, like an intelligence report. The one that just came out, it actually showed that for the first time since the Cold War, for about 30 years, Russia has sent a fleet of warships into the Baltic Sea. And they say these ships have underwater capabilities, anti-satellite weapons, and cyber tools that can threaten Norway and NATO. The unique thing here that I'm saying it's the first time it's happened in 30 years is that these ships have nuclear capabilities. They're armed with uh, nuclear weapons, and that hasn't happened since the Cold War. President Biden made a visit to Ukraine. The day after that, President Putin made a declaration that, quote, Russia is suspending its participation in the Strategic Offensive Arms Treaty. This is the New START Treaty. It's the only remaining nuclear-related treaty between Russia and the U.S., and they have just officially announced they are seizing adherence to it. This comes about three days before the one-year anniversary of the war between Ukraine and Russia. And in Iran, the International Atomic Energy Agency has reported that the the country of Iran has now enriched uranium to 84% purity. Uh, This is after Iran already said that their centrifuges can't uh, enrich uranium any further than 60%. And just the relevance here is once they reach 90%, they can create uh, nuclear weapons-grade material. Let's talk some developments related to COVID-19 and vaccines. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation COVID-19 Forecasting Team, along with uh, the University of Washington, which, by the way, is funded in part by the Bill and Melinda Gates Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they've just concluded uh, a 65-study review uh, regarding natural immunity. This one's boasted as quote the most comprehensive review of available data, uh, and this is on natural immunity to COVID-19. It used a meta-analysis of those 65 studies from 19 different countries, and it found that natural immunity offered long, sustained protection against severe disease and death, almost 90% at 10 months. Now, for comparison, vaccinations offer 59% at 5 months, and that's for that one-dose unit, and 80% protection at 7 months for two-dose units. So for either, if you're talking about the one-dose or two-dose COVID-19 vaccine, Natural immunity still has a beat. Specifically, it's, uh, what was it, 82% at its worst. It said a high level of protection was offered by uh, natural immunity against infection or reinfection and symptomatic disease uh, among alpha, beta, and delta variants. 45% for the Omicron BA.1 variant and greater than 85% after 40 weeks uh, for other severe disease and variants that were evaluated Uh, Overall, it's about 88% that natural immunity offered. This study was actually picked up by every mainstream media outlet we could find, you know, from CNN to NBC to to Fox News. 
everyone covered the study. Um, I mean, it probably helped that it's backed by the Bill Gates Foundation um, and it's being accepted as, you know, fact, which it is. Um, we've looked through the the DOI was published there from the Lancet.com and it's to date, you know, there there's no refuting this evidence now that natural immunity is, of course, better than vaccination. Now, on mainstream media, like I said, it, it's the, the these different outlets have they posted articles about it, but we're not seeing it like echoed on their social media. They're not putting it at a, as a headline on their main page. It's there if you look for it, but they're not trying to advertise the fact that natural immunity is better. But they kind of had to cover it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And moving over into our censorship brief for the week, Jigsaw by Google. So Google has begun conducting psychological operations to counter theories and narratives and, in many cases, facts before they're even propagated. This is kind of like pre-crime, if you think minority report. They're looking at different narratives that they think are going to develop based on what's happening, and they're creating products to counter those narratives before they even exist. It's using a method called pre-bunking, which is a collaborative effort between traditional journalism, content moderation, and other methods. Its idea is to help limit the spread and impact of misinformation, according to Jigsaw and Google. They, or when I say they, Google first launched Jigsaw back in late 2022 uh, to counter what the company perceived as mis- and disinformation related to Russia and Ukraine. Uh, it launched in Poland, the Czech Republic, uh, Slovakia, and now they are launching it, let's see, where, uh, they're launching it in Germany and India. Now, even though we're saying they're launching these specific countries, it's global. Like it, it gets spread on social media, um, and everyone's seeing their content. It's not just the host countries that they're trying to uh, counter this, this information. So Google says, "quote We're excited about the results," and they specifically mention the results encountering fear mongering, scapegoating, false comparisons, exaggeration, and missing context adjustments to topics such as. COVID-19, mass shootings, immigration, climate change, Pizzagate, flat earth, vaccines, gun confiscation, or elections. Uh, Google's partnered with uh, kind of some weird different organizations, including Demagogue, One World in Schools, and the National Research Institute, which is uh, NASC, to develop these PSYOP campaigns. Uh, we've got a whole briefing on Jigsaw by Google uh, at graymanbriefing.com if you want to read more into this and see our debrief. Earlier this month, the House Oversight Committee was questioning former Twitter executives on their their past censorship efforts uh, on Twitter, uh, specifically to the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story. So while they were being questioned, the entire chamber went black. There was a blackout, a power outage at the, uh, the House chambers. Uh, then all of a sudden, Twitter... Uh, they experienced a disruption that stopped people from being able to, to post on Twitter. 
Instagram and Facebook also immediately suffered a service outage. So we had a blackout of the House chambers while Twitter's being questioned, and at least three social media outlets uh, experienced disruptions. We'll let you take out of that what you want. And we were looking at some funding initiatives that the U.S. Uh, State Department was involved in, specifically their Global Engagement Center, the GEC. They awarded grants to the Institute for Strategic Dialogue and the, uh, the Global Disinformation Index. This is basically, they're, they're providing these grants to a U.K., a United Kingdom-based firms. And these firms' goal is to partner with social media uh, who will be the flaggers, the trusted flaggers. So you've got people on Amazon's Audible, Facebook, Instagram, Microsoft, and YouTube who are flagging content. And it's through uh, these efforts that the State Department is funding. So we're, we're basically paying the U.K. to work with social media to help censor content that the governments deem uh, misinformation or disinformation. And this this censorship is abundantly against conservative organizations. There was two U.S. representatives who responded to the news of this uh, funding, um, saying, quote, the State Department should not be funding woke organizations who seek to censor and demonetize conservative outlets. Uh, another representative, representative said, quote, taxpayer dollars have no place funding anti-speech organizations that are actively waging war against conservative outlets. As a member of the Appropriations Committee, I look forward to conducting oversight into this funding to ensure Americans' First Amendment rights are respected and protected. And let's shift into our government oversight briefing. So in Canada, one of the oversight inquiries that was being completed by the Public Order Emergency Commission is just concluded. This is the one that was looking into the Emergency Act that uh, the Prime Minister invoked back in early 2022. The question here is, uh, it froze and seized private citizens' bank accounts and crowdfunding sites that were supporting the Freedom Convoy. This is that protest uh, or the convoy that was countering all the mandates going on in Canada related to masking, social distancing, but basically masking and vaccines. Uh, well, it's concluded and they found that while it was unnecessary and regrettable that it was ultimately, quote, justified, appropriate, effective, and reasonable due to, quote, threats to national security. So their oversight said it was fine to uh, freeze their citizens' money that were donating to the protest. And back in America, Dr. Fauci, along with uh, two of his partners, co-authored uh, some analytical research that just got published. Uh, in it, Dr. Fauci admits that vaccines never effectively controlled COVID-19 or the flu, uh, and we're thinking this is a push to begin the next-gen vaccine development. So the research found that, quote, viruses that replicate in the human respiratory system when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It goes on to list these type of viruses, which it includes COVID-19 and RSV, uh, and also it includes the common cold. Uh, moving on with the quote, it says, have not to date been effectively controlled by licensed or experimental vaccines, end quote. 
So the research again reaffirms the vaccine shortcomings by saying, quote, none of the the predominantly mucosal respiratory viruses have ever been effectively controlled by vaccines, end quote. The report further calls that the last 15 years of flu vaccines effectiveness against infection are, quote, decidedly suboptima, end quote while further revealing that the flu vaccine was at worst 10% effective and at its average most um, at its average effectiveness was 40.5% effective the research explained that both covid-19 and flu vaccines quote elicit incomplete and short-lived protection the remainder of this research paper by dr falky went on to explain how because of these shortcomings the the scientific community needs to start on a next gen uh, vaccine Specifically, it said that public health considerations relating to next-generation respiratory vaccines must, quote, contribute to shaping vaccine design, including vaccine schedule, role of boosting, frequency of vaccination, and duration slash completeness of protection, side effects, and public acceptance, end quote. And we, we kind of thought it was odd that these scientists are, are focusing on the public acceptance aspect of rolling out vaccines. It should just be working on a vaccine that would work rather than how they can promote it to make it publicly accepted. And moving on, the USDA is formulating a decision to proceed with the vaccination of chickens to reduce the transmission or severity of the pathogenic avian influenza. So the CDC director confirmed this, um, that they've been tracking and monitoring this whole uh, what was it, the H5N1 uh, flu virus. They're saying that if it was approved, it would be placed on an accelerated development timetable and distributed to poultry producers nationwide uh, based on a series of precursors, like how many chickens are on site, where was the nearest uh, other positive case, things like that. Um, Also, they've admitted that if they do vaccinate these chickens, that they would not be permitted to export them. Countries will not buy uh, vaccinated poultry. Uh, at least not this one. Um, I wasn't aware of this, but this is what the USDA is saying. And let's move into our infrastructure and supply chain briefing. So there was a power outage at JFK. Uh, this was affecting basically Terminal One. It was a tran- was it a transformer? No, it was an electrical panel failure. Um, that's what was blamed for the outage. Of course, tons of flights were delayed. Um, so you have that going on there, and then there's a transformer. That's why I said transformer earlier. So there was a transformer fire at a PNG or a PG&E substation in California. This caused an outage to a little more than or about 50,000 Oakland area residents. This was on February 19th. The next day, there were still almost 10,000 without power. Flights were delayed. There were reports of hundreds of people trapped in elevators because this happened, I think it was at uh, 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, vehicle crashes, uh, spoilage of food was expected. And so, yeah, we had those two outages. Let's see what else we had. Uh, yeah, let's let's move back to the, the train derailments there in Ohio. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on social media. I've seen videos of people lighting their tap water on fire. There is a boatload of videos of people throwing rocks into nearby creeks and rivers, and you can see the kind of oily, kind of rainbowy substance coming up from the sediment in the ground uh, from that derailment. Uh, so a lot of people are saying the water's safe, not to worry about it. However, the Greater Cincinnati Water Works, they shut off uh, intake from the Ohio River 
They're about 300 miles away from where this took place at. Then uh, a few days later, the Northern Kentucky Water District, they shut off intake from the Ohio River. That's also about 300 miles away from where the incident took place. Um, these, they're saying that they've got enough reserve water and they're going to use the reserve water until they determine that the water from the Ohio River is safe and potable. And speaking of, so for the longest time, for about two weeks, FEMA refused to uh, go out and assist. They were saying that the incident and the people of Ohio were not, quote, eligible for disaster assistance and that there were other better equipped agencies. The White House was receiving a lot of uh, flack for not sending that federal aid. Of course, they were sending other federal aid in the in the form of uh the CDC, the EPA, other agencies, but everyone always focuses on FEMA when something like this happens. Well, uh, the White House said, no, we're not sending FEMA. Five hours later, President, former President Trump says, I'm going to offer aid and speak with uh, local leaders there. An hour after Trump said he was going, FEMA then announced that they were going as well. So, yeah. And let's shift into crime and corruption. So the former CEO of Barclays and an executive of J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, his name is Jess Staley, he's been accused of exchanging about 1,200 emails with Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, and in these emails, he was asking for uh, images of girls portrayed as Disney princesses. Uh, the emails show a range of conversations between the J.P. Morgan Chase exec and Epstein, trading ideas about the girls, um, recent court filings in the U.S. Virgin Islands from a lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase revealed concerns within the the company, the company of J.P. Morgan Chase. You had risk management saying, "Quote: See below new allegations. If an investigation relates to child trafficking, are you still comfortable with this client, Epstein, who is now a registered sex offender?" End quote. So you've got risk management assessing, like, should we still? you know, keep managing his funds. And these funds were for the child trafficking uh, that Epstein was doing. Um, the exec uh, pushed along a message back to risk management saying that Epstein was, quote, not expecting any problems, end quote, or any evidence to be found. So prior to this lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase, the former Virgin Islands Attorney General, uh, she secured a $105 million settlement against the Epstein estate. So she won that. And then on the 27th of December, this is December 2022, so this is recent-ish, um, on the 27th of 2022 in December, she opened a new lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase, which is where all this I just read you is coming from. Uh, a few hours later, on the 27th in December, President Biden visited the U.S. Virgin Islands for the first time as president, and this was a vacation. And then a few days later, on December 31st, the governor of uh, the Virgin Islands fired the attorney general who opened that lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase. So not to get into conspiracy theories, but I'll just I'll tell you the facts and let you guys decide what you want. And again, we're, we're going to finish up this week with the Second Amendment briefing. So the ATF is going to use a subjective perception of the quote or not the quote, but of the word willful um, to determine if an FFL should be violated and have his license revoked, um, ultimately ending in the closure of the, the gun store and the seizure of firearm purchase records that will be added to a digital uh, firearms registry.
So what we're talking about here is there was an attained, obtained copy after a Freedom of Information Act request in which the ATF's internal guidance policy from back in January 2022 revealed the agency was working to revoke more and more FFLs um, for first-time offenses and what they call a zero policy for willful violations that greatly affect public safety. There is a whole laundry list of reasons uh, that would help justify if it was willful. All they have to do is say it was willful. Like any sort of accident, if they can say it was willful, immediately the FFL has its license revoked, the gun store is shut down, and all the records that were at the gun store then go instantly to the ATF. Gun owners of America, these are the ones who first obtained the copy, they're saying they're working to address this alarming issue and eliminate the unconstitutional gun registry. Uh, they're saying the ATF has converted nearly 1 billion records required to be kept by FFLs into a single centralized and searchable national gun registry that is routinely searched by multiple data fields. So we dig a little deeper into this uh, Second Amendment briefing, but for here on the podcast, we're going to leave it at that. If you want to read more into everything I've told you today, see all our sources. We cite all of them. We go into... Our, our, our opinion and analysis after we provide you the facts up front. If you like that sort of uh, journalism and intelligence, sign up for our briefing service. It's served on Telegram and the Signal app and also via email. You can sign up at www.graybandbriefing.com. That's it for me. You guys take care. Thanks for listening to this week's Gray Man Briefing.